This is our last night on this, I hope, intriguing and helpful topic, the future. This will be our 30th session, and thank you for hanging in there, patiently waiting for the end. I hope not of this series, but the end of all things we now experience until we enter into the eternal state. One mountain left to go. Can you imagine all that have been set up here over these last several weeks and months? All that God has told us about in terms of the peaks in his mountain range of prophecy. Imagine all of them fulfilled. Everything the Lord has said, he has done. And then we're brought to this marvelous grand conclusion to it all. Eternity. Now, some uh, will spend eternity apart from the Lord Jesus by choice. I know that. We spoke about it. It's a reality, a harsh one. But we started last week to speak about that reality, sure as could be, very certain for believers, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, well, it's heaven. And I want for us to speak just a little more tonight, if you don't mind, about heaven. I'll bet you don't mind. Uh, we could talk about heaven until the time when we are there, and I think we'll be encouraged. It's very, very hopeful to think about how the best is yet to come. So uh, let me call your attention to Revelation uh, chapter 21, verse 22, because we're going to find out more about the capital of heaven, New Jerusalem. And here's what it says, Revelation chapter 21, verse 22 I, remember, that's John, saw, it's a vision, the revelation is a vision, he saw it, well, the poor guy, while in exile on an island in the Aegean Sea, Patmos, I saw no temple. Wow, do you know heaven is a place where there ain't certain things? And here's the first thing that's missing that we're used to here and will not see there, there, uh, John saw no temple in it. Why? Well, well, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. What's the name of the Lamb? Yeah, the Lord Jesus. You, you, you know, uh, they're always together, Father and Son. You talk about an intimate relationship. And so from Eternity past, father and son were together. In eternity future, father and son will be together. Do you know the only time father and son was separated was when? Yeah, on the cross. Can you fathom the love of father and son for one such as us? That that which they valued most, uninterrupted, unhindered fellowship, they gave up for a spell so that you and I could have our... Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, why do you forsake me? <gasps> a separation not due to his sin. The lamb was spotless. He's sinless due to our sin. Oh, but in the New Jerusalem, you'll always see father and son together. And in fact, they are its temple and therefore there will be no need for one. This is grand news, folks. If you read the Old Testament, you would see the painstaking instructions that the Lord gave to Moses with regard to the construction of the temple. They're so detailed, so many cubits and so much this material and that 
You know how it is. Let's be honest. We try to speed read through all that. It's a little hard to see the relevance and significance of it. In general, God had an investment in it, and it was quite important to the detail because that was the point at which God said, you'll find me. I'll establish my presence here in this temple. Go up to Jerusalem and to the temple and make your appeal to me. Utter your praises to me. I will be there. I'll fill the temple with my Shekinah, my Shekinah glory. And that was grand and wonderful, but frankly, not as wonderful as what we'll see in New Jerusalem. And I'll tell you why. Look where some of you are sitting. I know by choice, as far back as you could possibly get. I know how that goes. Uh, uh, But that means you have less access to what's up here than those who are seated closer. Now, it's no big deal here. But can you imagine in the temple which stood in Jerusalem in old covenant days? Can you see how access to the presence of God was a matter of degree? Some had very close access. One, in fact, could even enter the Holy of Holies, the high priest, one time a year. And everybody else, you know, according to ranking, you know, like, for instance, Gentiles. I mean, no offense, but this is the way it is. You couldn't go further than what was called the court of the Gentiles. They even had the court of the women. Oh, those were the good old days. You see, and, and there was even there were even signs, and they were written in all kinds of languages, so people would know. You know what it said? If you cross this barrier, you do so under pain of death. Keep your distance. Keep your distance. God is holy. But in the New Jerusalem, there won't be any such gradation, any such um, uh, incremental access. No, no, no. God will not confine himself to a building. Though the temple was surely glorious, don't you see it's just a foreshadowing of its ultimate fulfillment? And the ultimate fulfillment will be God himself and the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are connected, you don't wait. Oh, 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 oh. You, you think, no, they fill New Jerusalem. It's an everywhere experience. I want to worship God and the Son. Bada boom, there they are. You don't go up, you don't climb, you don't wait in line. You, you is there. And the Lord Jesus doesn't localize himself. He fills New Jerusalem. I don't know. Can you imagine? No, you can't. And neither can I. That's just how good it is beyond anything we could possibly imagine. Free and confident access to Almighty God and all over the place. The whole city filled with the very presence of God. And there's more that's not there. What's not there is the temple. Here's more that is not there. Verses 23 and 24. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. Why not? Look, for the glory of God has illumined it. And its lamp is the lamp. You see? Almighty God the Father and the Lamb, Jesus the Son, once again. 
The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. What does this mean? Nations. Um, let me take a stab at it, but please don't buy this if it just doesn't sit right with you. I think the nations there represent the national people groupings here in the old creation so that you have a sampling of believers from every nation, every ethnicity here in the old creation, there in the new creation. So you have these Nations, And not only that, you have kings. And I think that is also a reference to the kings of the earth, this side of heaven, but who knew the ultimate king of kings. And in some fashion, they retained their identity there in the new Jerusalem. And it's these leaders who we just read about who will bring glory and honor to the king of kings, God all Mighty from their respective people groups. I think this is a grand picture of what worship will be like in heaven, in the new creation. You see, in the ancient world, uh, people and kings would commonly do this. They would bring their wealth and their glory and their resources and their riches through the gate of a city of the greater king. But there in heaven, in the new Jerusalem, leaders and people groups, everyone will come into the city to honor the king who is above all kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. They will bring, it says, their glory into the city. Now, here's another thing that's a little interesting. If they're bringing their glory into the city, does that not imply that they are outside of the city. Now, if New Jerusalem is heaven and all of these folks are believers, how could it be that some would be in and some would be out? Well, let me take another shot at it. You understand these things are far bigger than us's. So if something is not palatable to you about this unimaginable blissful paradise, okay, then don't swallow it. I don't think the New Jerusalem is all that there is of heaven. I think the New Jerusalem is the capital city of heaven, but not its full extent. And that would explain to me why these are coming into New Jerusalem. Now, I know it raises all kinds of questions for which I don't have the answer. Does it bother you that you don't have answers for everything? Oh, I feel so bad. You must be one frustrated person. There's like a million things we don't have answers to. Folks, I can't even figure out my computer, let alone heaven. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad that these things are in some way incomprehensible. Because you see, it's dimensionless. It's an entirely different dimension. Heaven is not just good stuff on earth made gooder. Heaven is an entirely different reality. And since I haven't been there and neither have you, in some cases we're left with wonderful sanctified speculation about what it means, what it means, what it means. You see, God, through John, is just communicating to us 
unseen realities in human language. How do you reduce dimensionless eternal heaven into words fit for humans? It's like an adult trying to reduce life concepts into the very limited mentality of a little child. You have to choose your words carefully. You have to pair it. But that's what the Father's doing with us. So that's why I don't have any problem telling you, this is what I think. And if you don't think so, that's really cool too. I know there's an eternal state and for Christ ones, for Christians, for born again believers, for folks for whom the Lord Jesus is their redeemer, I know, so do you, their eternal state is heaven. It's eternity in the very presence of God Almighty and the Lamb and it is beyond anything we could even think or imagine. So don't be nervous about some of the unanswerable details about all of this. Let me mention something. A lot of people don't like nighttime. I think it's wonderful that you came out. It's kind of a gloomy night. It's kind of foggy out there. <sighs> Thanks for coming. I mean, I'm glad you're here. You love the Lord, so you came. But nighttime is not... You know what? In the night, you don't, nobody could see as clearly. So there's more of a proneness to miss things and thus to stumble over them. You could lose things at night. Nighttime is probably the best time for predators to prey on folks. It's a good time to burglarize a home or steal a car or, I don't know, do... There's something about night. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're struggling with some kind of a painful emotion, a lot of times the pain of that emotion is intensified at night. It's very interesting. And, and when morning breaks and the sun comes up, it's a little different. Now the intensity of that emotional pain is a little more manageable. So, so at nighttime, which is why I'm so excited about the next verse. Revelation 21, verse 25. In the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed. Isn't that good? In the daytime, for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed. In John's day, a city said gates, and they were oftentimes closed, locked, to keep enemies out. But in the eternal state, in heaven, God's people will have no enemies, and therefore, the gates will never be closed. Is that true of the door to your home or car? I doubt it. How many locks do you have on those things? I'm a suspicious, paranoid New Yorker. I got locks on my locks. They're like all over the place. But in that day, there's no night. There are no adversaries. Nobody will pose a threat to God's people. And therefore, the gates of New Jerusalem will never be locked. That's really good. Well, now look. 
We've spent some time sort of examining the outside of New Jerusalem. But let's take just a few more moments. Let's go inside now and have a look. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. Then he, it's an angel, showed me, the me continues to be John, look, a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming, here's the source, coming from the throne of God, here's the partnership again, and of the Lamb. Life, a river of life, it will pour forth unceasingly from the throne of God and of the Lamb. What are the kinds of things that pour forth from uh, the thrones of earthly kingdoms today? Oftentimes uh, slavery and oppression and murderous intention. Death, not life. Oh, no. But in heaven, a river, the source of life, will emanate from the very throne of the Father and the Son. And this river of life represents sustenance that will last forever and thus provide for God's people throughout eternity. That's what's in, it's kind of Main Street, New Jerusalem, river of life. For the first time, we're going to tell our kids and grandkids, hey, be sure to go out and play on the street. A river of life in the middle. There's more. Verse 2 of chapter 22. On either side of the river was the tree of life. A river of life. Now, on either side of the river of life, notice, a tree of life. Bearing 12 kinds of fruit. Why 12? Yielding its fruit every month. So how many months are there? 12 months, 12 kinds of fruit. There's a problem here. See, this is one of the things I can't figure out. Look. If there's no sun, there's no moon, how do you define months? Don't we define months by lunar stuff and all that kind of stuff? So how do you come up with 12 months if there's no need for sun and moon anymore? I am so happy to be able to tell you I have no idea. (laughs) This is so cool. This is beyond anything I can comprehend and wrap my mind around and grab onto. I mean, the Grand Canyon is, I'm sure, a beautiful thing, but I can grab onto that. But this is way beyond. It's a different dimension. It does not compute in our little finite, childish, earth-bounded minds. We get hints. Of the marvels, folks, hang in there. Hang in there. The best is yet to come. Don't give up on life. Don't give up on the giver of life. Don't give up on the giver of eternal life. There'll be a river of life one day. And it'll be bounded by the tree of life. Hang in there. We're going to make it. The best is yet to come. Folks, the Garden of Eden will be restored. We forfeited paradise. A gracious God is going to give us a second chance. It's 
heaven. And so we will enjoy the blessings which we forfeited, a river of life, a tree of life, and 12 kinds of fruit, and they will produce leaves for healing. (gasps) Leaves for healing? Doesn't that make you ask the question, so will we get sick? Do you get colds? Do you get flu bugs? Leaves for No, you don't get any of the above. That's what the leaves for healing represents. You don't get sick. Uh, I apologize, but uh, no need for doctors. You know what's worse? No need for preachers. I mean, you can be in the presence of the word of God. You don't have to study anymore. You just look into his face. But no need for doctors. No, 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 no. We will have, don't you see, unlimited access to health-giving leaves. In other words, there will be a complete absence of physical and spiritual want. Can you relate to that? No, you can't. We're born, we age, we get sick, we die. That's what you relate to and that's what I relate to. There, having been born again, we don't get sick, we don't age, we don't die. River of life, tree of life, producing healing leaves. Oh my goodness. I can't wait. I'm, I'm more excited than finding out what I'm going to get for Christmas. We're going to be in the presence of the Christ, the Messiah. Look, there's more. Verse 3. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. In heaven, there will be no longer any curse. Folks, an uncursed earth. Paradise lost will be paradise regained. Nobody's going to come up with uh, solutions to environmental pollution and global give-me-a-break warming. Uh, No, no. It's an uncursed earth. Do you know people say, look what I do, I'm a consenting adult, it doesn't matter, it's none of your business, blah, blah, boom. Those are people who naively think a sin can, and its consequences, its implications can be limited to the sinner. No sin pollutes. The whole earth has been polluted, corrupted because of sin. Not because we got big cars and used the wrong light bulbs. Give me a break. It's polluted because of us. But in that day, it's an uncursed earth. Wow. Can you imagine it? Well, don't you see? No, you can't. Stretch your imagination just as far as it will bring you. And you and I fall far short of the reality of the eternal state called heaven. And do you notice it says his bond servants will serve him? Look, let me be honest with you. The first time I read that, I said, ooh, that's a downer. Heaven. Service. How does serving and being in heaven go together? I just want to rest, sleep. I mean, I just I want a vacation f- forever. I, 
So how is this a heavenly thing? His bondservants will serve him. And then I think I, I think I got it. We serve here, but it ain't easy. You know it and I know it. It's not easy because of our limitations. Sometimes the Lord gives us tasks to do which are quite overwhelming to us. It's not easy. Let's face facts. Because a lot of times we have to coordinate our service with one another and we don't get along sometimes. We fight. Sometimes service is distasteful because we don't get the recognition we think we ought to get. I understand that. Sometimes serving here is a little bit of a drag because we're not resourced enough to do it. Someone else is getting the piece of the budgetary pie that we think we... I mean, look, let's just face it. Sometimes serving here is not such a good deal because we're flat out lazy. I I know that. So, So at best, our service... Uh, on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ here is an imperfect kind of a thing. But that's the point. In heaven, that won't be the case. It'll be characterized by perfect service in a perfect environment. Nobody here will say, sorry, call on someone else. I'm tired. You won't get tired. Nobody will have to say, I'd like to help out, but I'm not feeling well. What are you talking about? Tree of life, river of life, healing leaves. Nobody will have to say, I'd like to come out, but I don't, you know, driving at night is so hard. You know, the glare of other people's eye can't, I can't go out. There's no night. Well, I'd like to serve, but I'm already doing so much. Let somebody else do it. I'd like to do, but nobody pats me on the. Perfect service in a perfect environment. You and I have never experienced. It'll be heavenly. What an honor. What a privilege we will have. No, we're not going to be sitting around just playing the harp. And you know why the most satisfying thing in life, a fess up, is to feel useful and valued and worthwhile. We die. If we don't feel we're making a contribution that matters. And so a loving God says, oh, your contribution will matter and it will go on forever and it will be unlimited and unobstructed and you won't be distracted from making it. Perfect service in a perfect environment equals perfect satisfaction. It's heaven. Let's go tonight. We can't. We have to wait for the Lord's timing. And then something else. Revelation 22, verse 4. They will see his, the back of his head, as he passes by quickly. Shadow. They will see his shadow. They'll see his profile from afar. They'll see his sandal, which they aren't even exactly worthy to tie. They'll see his face. That means intimacy. That means nothing obstructing. (laughs) That means nothing in the way. They'll see, can you imagine looking into the eyes of the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you imagine? Sin forgiven, sin removed, sin no longer having sway over us. 
No fear, no guilt, no shame. <gasps> Looking into the face of the Lord Jesus. Folks, there's a bunch of stuff I don't get about heaven, but I get this. Heaven is where the followers of Jesus will be. Heaven is where Jesus is. Heaven is where the followers of Jesus will be with Jesus forever. That ought to be enough for us to be real excited about going there. We'll see the faith. And not only that, his name will be on our foreheads. Oh, it's not the mark of the beast. It's the mark of the beautiful Savior. And it's a sign of ownership and connectedness and belongingness. And this Jesus will say, you are mine. And nobody will dare snatch you out of my hand forevermore. We will have a face-to-face -face relationship. I don't know what it's like. And I'm so glad because I don't want it to be just slightly better than a cruise to Alaska. I want it to be heaven. Blissful, inexplicable, incomprehensible, eternal heaven. I want the Lord Jesus to unlock the key and to unblock it and he already did and I believe it and so do most of you and that's what our eternal state is going to be and they shall see his face face to face oh blissful moment face to face to see and know face to face with our redeemer Jesus Christ who loves us so heaven Someone, there's so much I know we're intrigued about with regard to heaven and so many questions left unanswered, but I love what someone said about it. Listen, someone said heaven is an unknown region with a well-known inhabitant. Oh, that's good. Listen, that's enough to sustain me until we get to heaven. How about you? It's an unknown region. Of course it's unknown We've never been there. We've never experienced anything like it. <laughs> but it's characterized by a well-known inhabitant. Don't you see that's why the Bible says, to know thee is eternal life. The knowingness which we have been enabled to develop now between us and the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the closest thing to what our heavenly experience will be. And on that continuum, it just gets better to the nth degree as we march into heavenly Zion. The newspapers and the news reports do not present the ultimate reality. They only present an earthly reality. But you and I ain't going to be on earth forever. <laughs> we're passing through. We're pilgrims. We're on a sojourn. We're aliens and strangers. This is not my home nor yours because our citizenship is in heaven. 
Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I'm going to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you for it. You didn't have to do it. But you're preparing it for us. We can't wait. I know, Lord Jesus, you have plenty for us to do here. So many don't even know you yet. I know it's our privilege and responsibility to be living proof of you, a loving God, to a watching and needy world. But, but Lord, the incentive to press on, get it at a neutral, not slow down, is our eternal destination. Thanks for spelling it out. Thanks for revealing to us what the future holds in sufficient ways that we can be filled with hope. The best is yet to come. Thank you for taking up your abode in our lives and referring to us as the very temple of your very Holy Spirit. And boy, do we look forward to the day when you, Lord Jesus, and you, Father, are the temple and you fill the heavenly city. We can't wait. Now, Lord, help us to be about your business while it is still called today. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.